This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Seattle's Robbie Hill was one of two drummers in the Seattle funk band Black on White Affair. Want to tell you about my baby Talking about nobody but my girl He later formed his own band called Robbie Hill's Family Affair. Those two groups were heavily featured in a compilation of Seattle funk and soul bands from mid-60s and 70s called Weedle's Groove. It was a compilation put out by Light in the Attic Records, released in 2004. Robbie Hill was recently diagnosed with stage 3 lung cancer, and a GoFundMe has launched to help support him in his journey. We're going to hear from Robbie Hill in just a few minutes, but first I'm joined by KXP's own DJ Supreme LaRock, who honored Robbie Hill last Sunday as part of Sunday Soul. Hi, Supreme. Greetings. Hi. So you were actually a huge part in making the Weedle's Groove compilation happen. Tell me how that came about. I met, Well, I knew uh, Matt from Light in the Attic because we had reissued the Lila soundtrack. We did the Sharpshooters album. And he took me to lunch one day and he said, if you could do any record you wanted to do and put out, what would it be? Oh, cool. And I said, I want to do a compilation of Seattle soul and funk records. He looked at me like I was crazy. And honestly, he wasn't interested. He wasn't sold on that. (laughs) Because I think like a lot of people, he didn't realize we had such a scene here in the 60s and 70s. We had an amazing scene. And, uh, you know, the jazz scene was huge. And so was the soul and funk scene. But it was kind of slept under the rug. You know, a lot of people weren't aware of it. And uh, we left the meeting and I was, I was kind of upset about it. You know, I was like, he asked me, but he wasn't interested. And then it must have been a half an hour must pass by. He called me, he said, hey, man, let's do it. He said, I've been thinking about it. Let's do it. And so we made it happen. That's amazing. I mean, because I mean, you are like a quintessential just like record digger. Like you stumbled upon a lot of local Seattle funk and soul records like just it's a part of what you do and so just walk me through like kind of if we go back in time a little bit I mean you had already collected a lot of these records how did you find them and at what point did you realize like oh Seattle actually had a thriving funk and soul scene right so I myself was unaware of it you know initially but I was at a record show at the Seattle Center And I was waiting to look through a box of records. And while I was waiting, because what happened was somebody beat me to the box. We basically walked up to the box at the same time, but they beat me to it. So I had to wait for them to go through it. While I was waiting, I went, there was a box of 45s next to it because I never was buying 45s at the time. So while I was killing time, I just was fingering through these 45s. And I saw one that said Bold Soul Brother on it. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So I, I looked at the label and it said Seattle, Washington. And I was like, Seattle, I'm just going to buy this. I don't know what it is. It sounds cool. That was the black on white affair. I think it was like 25 cents or 50 cents. And I remember when I got home and listened to it, I lost my mind. Hmm. I was like, this is amazing. Right then and there, I was like, what else is there? Is there any other? Is this the only thing or is there more Seattle things like this? 
And then at that point is when I said, you know, went out on my mission to find what else is there. And I mean, you found lots and lots of bands. I mean, in total, how many like funk and soul bands do you have records of, of that era in the 60s and 70s? Man, I probably have over 30, but the thing is, I still keep finding things to this day. <laughs> like, I think I have everything, I think I know everything, and then boom, I find something else. So when did you first learn about Robbie Hill? It was probably the early 90s. And the way I learned was from his first 45, I just want to be like myself. I just want to be I had a DJ friend overseas call me and he said, hey, I'm looking for this record because I didn't know the record at the time. She said, hey, I'm looking for this record. It's from Seattle. You know, keep your eyes out for it. And I actually found a copy the very next day in a thrift store. Hmm. I went and I was like, boom, there it is. And uh, it was pretty beat up. And same thing. It was like a quarter but I got it. It was my reference copy. So at that point, I thought to myself, well, let me find Robbie Hill himself. <laughs> is he around? Is he still around? Like, that's how I find a lot of these records is I try to get information from them and then track down the band members or managers or ex-promoters or family members. And uh, at the time, I was working on doing that. And I was dating this girl that was attending Seattle Central. And she said, she came up to me when I was working on it. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to find this guy, Robbie Hill. She said, oh, that's the name of our janitor. <laughs> and I said, well, listen, well, when you go to school tomorrow, stop the janitor and ask him, did he used to make music? Did he have a record out? And that, that was it. That was him. She called me the next day and said, hey, I got Robbie here. I, 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 my mind was blown. That was KXP DJ Supreme LaRock talking about Robbie Hill, drummer of the Seattle funk bands Black on a White Affair and Robbie Hill's Family Affair. Meanwhile, I caught up with Robbie Hill earlier this week to talk about his career. I first asked him about his eight-member family band, Robbie Hill's Family Affair, and how when he formed the group, he told everyone to quit their day jobs so they could be full-time musicians. He didn't quite have a plan yet, but he was committed. I've seen the talent in my family and my friends who was with me, they couldn't see it at the time. But that's when I said I got confidence enough as a leader that where we were at that time, that I could keep us working full time. And that I did. And how long did you work full time, though, as, as musicians? Uh, I would say about five years. Yeah, that's a good run. And I understand at one point you went down to L.A. There was almost a deal with RCA Records. You decided not to take it. Walk us through that experience. I mean, leaving Seattle, did you feel like you needed to go to, down to L.A.? And then also walk us through the decision to or to not sign with RCA Records. Okay. What happened there was I, uh, after we had played a while through Seattle, and I said, you know, I, I want to venture. I, you know, I want to be bigger and just playing, you know, locally and playing in just Seattle. So I went down to L.A., had on this shirt, Robbie Hill's Family Affair, sat in, <clears throat> just boldly went up to RCA Records, hmm. sat out in the lobby, and this gentleman came down, and he he said, I've heard of you guys. I said, really? He said, no. His name is Tony Rhodes. 
he was our acting manager. Anyway, he he fixed it some kind of way where we had a, the main ingredients. He was good in Junior's uh, dad. Uh, they were looking for a man. So we got to audition, and we got it. And once we got to audition, and they were already on RCA Records, uh, the main ingredients. So we were on there, but then a lot of stuff started going down. Once they wanted to sign us on RCA Records, the money part of it was kind of funny. So I went to a lawyer, and he said, I wouldn't take this deal. You guys can play, but you're not going to get the right kind of money that you should be getting. And so I went through that with, with them, and then uh, that blew up. So I just decided to take the band and come on back to Seattle. And that's how that ended with them. You know, Seattle's music scene, I mean, it's so, it, it it has such a vibrant music scene before, you know, grunge hit the national scene. I mean, we had the jazz scene in the 30s and 40s that included Ray Charles and Quincy Jones. And then the funk scene, that, right. the funk and soul scene that you were a part of, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And it seemed like a lot of people totally forgot about Seattle's funk and soul scene. That, and, and then when this Weedle's Groove album came out by Light in the Attic Records, a lot of people were like, wow, like even DJs were like, I didn't realize that Seattle had this scene. And I understand at one point there were more than like 20 venues specializing in funk and soul in Seattle. Describe, you know, the vibe inside those venues at the time. Well, and there was, I mean, there was uh, Kenny G was in his group called Cold Born Together. It was cooking back. It was all these groups, you know, and I said, my Lord, that's one thing that surprised me that I didn't realize there was that many groups. But anyway, with all of those groups, you know, we ended up playing together on stage, battle of the bands. And basically, everybody got along. It was almost like a family venue, but it was enough room in there for everybody to showcase what they had. And uh, I just loved it. I really did. And I'm thankful for. Yeah, and I heard some of those the some of those gigs would start at eleven o'clock at night and go until four in the morning. So it sounds like there was also like an audience that was really engaged with this music. And they were. They had uh, they had this uh, one club called the Hole, and, and because it was like a hole in the wall, but they were half hours. So during that time, we had music during the evenings, uh, the mornings. And when, if you didn't get enough, you go to the after hours. And uh, that's where Black and White Affair discovered me at, was that after hours. I would go down there and sit in, and this guy named Mr. Clean, we call him, and uh, Lee Davis is his real name. Well, he's the one that had that after hour, and it was successful, very successful. Yeah. Why do you think that Seattle's funk and soul scene didn't explode on the national level? Well, you know what? I, I sit back and think about that. Why didn't it? Because it sure should have. But I think at that time, there wasn't enough interest from big-time radio uh, audiences. And not only that, record labels. And then they didn't have scouts coming down there, you know, looking for entertainment or looking for talent like it is in L.A. and all those kind of places. But, you know, it took a while. But... Farms I'm concerned is getting recognized where it should have, and so I'm thankful for that. 
That was Robbie Hill talking about Seattle's funk and soul scene in the 60s and 70s. He was the drummer in the group's Black on White Affair and Robbie Hill's Family Affair. He was recently diagnosed with stage 3 lung cancer, and a GoFundMe has launched to help support him in his journey. Meanwhile, here's one of Robbie's favorites from Robbie Hill's Family Affair. It's called Gotta Get Back. That was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.